0: It's time to play like a Jet. With your host, Scott Mason. Play like a Jet. What does that mean? Here's Donald. carry it out. Deep ball. Separation. Caught. Robbie Anderson. Goodbye. Touchdown, Jets. The whole NFL is watching. Of fourth and ten. And here they come. Make pass catch. It's intercepted by Mosley. Down be the to top. Bell breaks tackle. Bell trying to go over. Touchdown, big return for Crowder. And he's going to go all the way. touchdown, 85 yards. Looking downfield, fires this one and intercepted at the 34. Jamal Adams goes down on the ground and takes it away. He'll hit immediately. He yes. got the handoff. You know what? <laughs> the QAnator. Oh my
1: gosh. Listen, thank you. From the Vivid Seats Studios, use the promo code overtime to get yourself up to a hundred bucks off your very first purchase when you download the Vivid Seats mobile app. This is Play Like a Jet. My name is Scott Mason. You can follow me on Twitter at Play Like a Jet1. And we're doing this a day early because of the fact that there's so much news and anticipation around the Jets. So we welcome in what would normally be on a Wednesday, but this week a Tuesday, Mr. Manish Mehta from the New York Daily News. Manish, I know that right now you're waiting for the cable guy. Some anxious moments right now in the Manish Meta household, I'm sure.
2: <laughs> it's very annoying, but uh, I'm sure people don't want to hear about my complaining about Comcast cable. By the way, uh, I, I suggest you you know steer clear of Comcast cable if you're in the area.
1: Hate to say it, Manish, but you might want to consider cord cutting. The way that the Jets are unfortunately going to have to consider cutting the cord on the idea that Sam Darnold. Could play on Sunday That was where it seemed like this was Trending last week when we talked Now it seems like it's trending In the other direction where Sam Darnold probably won't play this week Adam Gase talked about this When he spoke to the press yesterday What did he have to say about it? Well he
2: was clearly disappointed because uh, Along with the fans uh, I think He believed that he would have a a clear answer About uh, Darnold's Availability and everything he was Led to believe in the prior week was that Things were trending in the right direction, uh, as you said. And and look, Sam Darnold very well might play against the Eagles on Sunday. He still needs to get medically cleared for contact. And that's really code language for his spleen is not the proper size because that would be the only reason to prevent him from contact. Now, look, he's not going to get hit in a practice anyway. So, uh, you know, we we might be making a, a, a lot out of nothing in terms of that. For the week uh, of practice, but he clearly needs to be cleared before uh, playing any kind of game. And to me, I interpreted it as uh, his spleen is not the size, it hasn't shrunk to the size that it needs to shrink to in order to play in a football game. And whether that will or won't by Sunday remains to be seen. Uh, it, it, I thought it was telling uh, a week ago when they cut David Fails. Clearly, the coaching staff and the front office believed that uh, there was no reason to keep fails because Darnold would be back. Now it's not any kind of crisis situation if they need to bring fails back because people aren't knocking down David fails door uh, for opportunities. So he could very easily come back quickly if need be, but it does put Adam Gase in a precarious position in terms of how he runs his practice this week, because he could have Sam Darnold practice with the starters all week. And then uh, if Darnold is not cleared by the medical staff to play, he's uh team he meaning Gase, is in a bind because he he also needs Luke Folk, an inexperienced player to get as many reps with the starters during the week as possible if he's going to play in a game so I thought Gase hit it, hit the nail on the head saying that if he had a you know a veteran guy uh, you know maybe a ten year veteran you know just a guy who's been around the league for a while uh, as the backup it, it might not be a big as big of a concern, but when you have a, a second year player who's only got one career start under his belt, do you want him to get the full uh, allotment of practice reps with the starters? And uh, that's why it'll be interesting to see if Gates does indeed get clarity before the first practice of the week on Wednesday. Because, uh, you know, I've always been saying that it's better to be safe than sorry. Take a cautious approach with Sam Darnold, even though he says he feels healthy and he says he feels healthy you know, for about a week now. Uh, If he's not clear for contact, if he's not even lifting weights yet, and uh, I think the smart approach would be to give Luke Falk a full week of practice rest with the starters and have him be under center in Philadelphia.
1: Manish, I think there's a fear among some segments of the fan base that Adam Gase is feeling the heat, he's desperate to get himself a win, and so he's going to make sure that Sam Darnold plays if he's medically cleared, regardless of whether or not it's in Darnold's long-term best interest. I don't think that's the case. I think that Gase knows that, A healthy Darnold who does his best in the Gase system is his ticket to long-term success here. And so he's much more likely to roll with Luke Falk for a week than to risk Sam Darnold a little earlier than he should. I have my issues with Gase, but I don't think he's an idiot. I think he's smart enough to know that that would be a bad idea. So I don't think that he's going to try to rush Sam Darnold at all.
2: Uh, I agree with you. Uh, You know, I've been critical of Adam Gase. Uh, I think that everybody uh, who follows the Jets is fully aware of that. But but I don't think that he would ever jeopardize Sam Darnold's uh, long-term health to, to try to win a, a week four game, to try to win his first game as the head coach of the New York Jets. Uh, I don't believe that's the case. I think he's too smart for that. Uh, I also think that uh, from an organizational standpoint – they would never put Sam Donald in that position. The medical staff would never put any player, and forget about the starting quarterback. But I don't think they would put any player in that position. Uh, even though, like every team, the, the Jets want to win games and win as much as they they can. Uh, it doesn't make much sense. But again, if he is medically cleared for contact at some point during the week, whether it's Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, you know, any time before before Sunday, then. Uh, I think that Adam Gase would want Darnold to play. My question is, what kind of Sam Darnold are we going to get on uh, the field on Sunday if he hasn't even done any rigorous conditioning yet? Uh, It's been a three-week hiatus. Uh, We already know know, his weight is really not an issue anymore. He lost a few pounds, but I I don't think that's an issue. The bigger question for me is stamina, his strength. Uh, Darnold also pointed out, a good uh you know a relevant point the uh, the other day which is his timing with the wide receivers will he have enough practice reps uh with uh, his pass catchers to to be in rhythm uh to play a four quarter game uh but but for me i i just don't know if a guy who you know is a professional athlete a quarterback hasn't done any kind of real conditioning other than stationary bike and walking for 3 weeks and and still has not lifted a weight in 3 weeks uh, is he going to be at his optimal uh, when it matters in, in a regular season game? And I don't think it's fair to expect that from from Darnold on Sunday. So even if he were cleared for contact, uh, you know, my gut tells me the Jets will play him. Uh, my gut also tells me that we're not going to see the best out of Sam Darnold in his first game back, just given the fact that he hasn't done all of these off the field things to prepare himself for a game. Uh, you know, mentally, he's as sharp as ever, I'm sure. But just from a strength and conditioning and even timing uh, standpoint, as he pointed out, I think he's going to be a little bit off. So I think it would behoove the organization and behoove Sam Darnold to to use this week to get his strength back, his conditioning back, get some practice reps in, and then really be uh, as close to 100% as he can be for the Dallas Cowboy game in week five. I think that makes the most sense. Uh, But again, my gut tells me that if he is medically cleared, uh, he's going to want to play. There's going to be no reason from a medical standpoint to hold him back, and I don't think the Jets would hold him back if he's cleared because uh, because uh, you know, there, there wouldn't be no real, quote-unquote, danger in damaging his spleen.
1: Manish, one area of criticism that some people have lobbed at Adam Gase and even Joe Douglas is the fact that Luke Falk was really bad against the New England Patriots And they needed an upgrade at quarterback if Sam Darnold wasn't going to be able to play against the Philadelphia Eagles. That could mean going out into the free agent market and getting somebody with more experience. Brock Osweiler is a name that has been thrown out there as a potential quarterback for the Jets because of the fact that he at least has starting experience and he's familiar with the Gase offense. What are your thoughts on this? Do you think that they gave any type of consideration to making a move like that?
2: I'm sure they gave some consideration to it, but look, I don't want to criticize them for that. Uh, only because realistically, the only guy who could jump in with prior experience in Adam Gase's offense is Brock Osweiler. I mean, we're really talking about a pool of one. Uh, you're not going to trade for a quarterback from some other system and that guy is not going to pick up the system this quickly. Uh, he could have you know, gone in his playbook last week, but he wasn't going to be on the field with his teammates because his teammates were out of town during the bye week. So, I think that's a bit overblown. So, we're really talking about this question: uh, Should the Jets have signed Brock Osweiler? That's really what it comes down to. If they signed Osweiler, okay, fine. Uh, you know, perhaps he could have. You know, he perhaps he could have made the Jets uh, competitive in this game, or perhaps he could have stunk. Yeah, I don't even know what Brock Osweiler is doing right now. I don't know what kind of shape he's in. I don't know anything about Brock Osweiler's uh, the physical conditioning and, and things of that nature right now. So, uh, to me, the notion of bringing in a veteran really means the notion of bringing in Brock Osweiler. And would that have made any kind of tangible difference for the team? I, I don't think so. Uh Again, the trade avenue is, irrelevant to me i mean the only the only guy <laughs> that you could i guess make an offer for and he doesn't even have experience in the system i don't believe but the only guy you could perhaps make a, an offer for and it would have been turned down would be josh mccown uh, because he, he knows uh, a lot of the players on offense and he's got a chemistry in that respect but uh, you know, obviously the eagles are not trading him because he's a valuable piece you know, an insurance piece for them so i, I don't think the options were. were plentiful uh and the idea that you don't want to roll out luke Falk, uh i disagree with that notion too because if you look around the league and even if you look to last night mason rudolph mason rudolph played competitively in his first start last week but not particularly well and he clearly made strides last night now he was far from perfect Uh, they designed a smart game plan They, they took uh they did a lot of unconventional things some wildcat stuff some jet sweep like passes, but they're not really jet sweeps, but it looks like a jet sweep and just a lot of short things for Mason Rudolph early in that game. And then you saw him open it up a little bit, uh, on a, what a 20 some yard touchdown pass. And at the end of the day, they got a route and, and they, and they beat a team by over three touchdowns. So, uh, I'm not saying that the, the jets would beat the Eagles in Luke Falk's second start, but you can certainly, um, you know, expect improvement and maybe even play competitive football. Uh, and even Kyle Allen in Carolina has, has made strides. He's only had three career starts. Gardner Minshew, as I'm sure you know, you've talked about, and people around the league have talked about, he's gotten better with each uh, start as well. So, uh, just because Falk didn't play particularly well in that first game, doesn't mean that he can't play better in the second game and it also goes back to Adam Gase adjusting and adapting to what Luke Falk does well it's one thing to see Luke Falk do some things well on film and in practice but you've seen him in a game now and you've got a better sense of what makes sense from a play calling perspective and uh, you would design uh, a better game plan uh, to to mold you know or to fit around his strength so uh, yeah I think that Luke Falk would probably be best option for the Jets uh, if Donald doesn't play, uh, you know, as opposed to bringing a guy off the street like Brock Osweiler. But again, I don't think there's that many options out there. I really do think that you're talking about one guy and one guy only, and that's Brock Osweiler.
1: I think what Gardner Minshew has shown above all else is that if you have an awesome retro mustache, you can play in the NFL.
2: <laughs> yeah, I think this is, doesn't Luke, didn't Luke Falk have a mustache or does he have a mustache? I can't even remember. Like I'm in the locker room with a guy I can't remember, but uh, uh, th- the point is that you can be competitive with an inexperienced young quarterback uh, and maybe even win some games. Win- Minchu is an interesting case because I think most of the NFL thought the minute that Nick Foles was done, you know, their big three-agent signing, that uh, the Jaguars were done. But what has Minchu done in his three starts? They're 2-1. The only loss they had was on a failed two-point conversion in the last 30 seconds of the game. He's very close to being 3-0 and as the starter. Uh, and Kyle Allen has played well, and, and again, even Mason Rudolph, uh, in his second start uh, of his career last night, played well because the play caller you know, designed a, a good game plan, and uh, and I just think it's that that's the smart thing to do for Gase. It's not an ideal situation. Uh, you do feel for him in some respects, but for this week specifically, I really do believe that it'd be unfair. For Gates to uh, forget about the fans for a minute and forget about everybody else. Uh, I do think it'd be unfair for Gates to kind of twist in the wind, not knowing if Darnold was going to get medically cleared by the end of the week. Now, I think that he's got a good indication that Darnold will get medically cleared, but he had a good indication a week or so ago that things would be fine and he would have a, a clear cut answer on Darnold's availability, and that hasn't happened. Uh, but, uh, you know, to ask a head coach to have that kind of juggling act uh, with your Six starting quarterback and your inexperienced backup quarterback, it's a lot to ask for. It's a difficult situation because I I do think that, you know, giving Luke Falk a full week of starter reps in practice is what Gates needs to do. If he's unsure about Darnold, because the the worst thing, as I said earlier would be for Darnold to, to get the lion's share of practice reps with the starters. And then uh, at the end of the week, He gets an examination and his spleen is not the the proper size. And and then what does Adam Gase do? Then he's kind of, you know, he's he's in a very difficult position and that's, you know, that would be unfair to him. While
0: sports can bring us so much joy, it can also bring us a lot of unwanted stress. And that stress can make it difficult to concentrate, relax, and get decent sleep. Sunday Scaries was launched in 2017 by two best friends and business partners, Bo Schmidt and Mike Sill. Get 25% off all products at sundayscaries.com when you use the code OVERTIME. Again, 25% off all products at sundayscaries.com when you use the code OVERTIME.
3: Hey guys, Greg Peterson here with the Baseball Betting Podcast. As we know, the MLB season is back in our lives. It's going to be a 60-game sprint
1: What's going on with Gardner Minshew in Jacksonville reminds me a little bit of what happened with Kurt Warner and the Rams back in 1999. If you remember, the Rams spent a ton of money in free agency on Trent Green. He got hurt. They went with Kurt Warner, who nobody knew, and Kurt Warner ended up lighting it up and leading the Rams to the Super Bowl. I'm not saying that Gardner Minshew is going to do that, certainly, but it is interesting when you see a guy like Minshew who comes out of nowhere and and replaces a guy who was the big hope that got all the money, and he's doing what everybody was hoping Nick Foles would be able to do down in Jacksonville. Certainly the situations are a little bit different because Minshew was a sixth-round pick. Warner was undrafted, had to go and play all over the place just to try and keep his dream alive before he got his chance after Trent Green got hurt. But still, it is always fascinating to me to see stories like this where somebody who's not expected to succeed succeeds against all odds, I'm not saying Luke Falk is necessarily going to be able to do that for the New York Jets, but if he's going to at least be able to perform better and give the Jets a reasonable chance to win this game against Philadelphia, it's going to be on Adam Gase to have a more creative game plan for the offense and for Luke Falk. To that end, Gase spoke about that when he talked to the press yesterday. What did he have to say about it?
2: Yeah, you know, I give him credit uh, for... for. Uh... You know, giving us a window into what he needs to do better as a head coach. We, you know, we already know about some issues uh, uh, in terms of players and execution or lack thereof. But uh, he specifically said that he needs to do a better job of making sure that the quarterback, whether it's Sam Darnold or Luke Falk, the quarterback's first read is is open. Uh, it's not going to happen all the time, but you can create openings uh, with play design. You know, we've seen that uh, in recent years uh, with Andy Reid a lot. We've seen that uh, this year with Patrick Mahomes throwing to wide-open guys left and right uh, over the first month of the season. A lot of that is play design. You know, people wondered what would that uh, you know, passing attack look like without Tyree Kill. And then Tyree Kill goes out. Sammy Watkins, who's got a pedigree, of course, has an exceptional game. Uh, so that was maybe not as surprising as what we saw in, in the following couple of weeks with Nicole Hardman a rookie and uh, Demarcus Robinson guys, you know, getting explosive plays. A lot of that is speed. Yes. But a lot of that is also play design. And so Adam Gase admitted that, look, that first read uh, needs to be uh, open more times than not and have to be clear for the quarterback. So that qu- quarterback doesn't have to necessarily go through his first, second, third progression before checking it down or before panicking and, and you know, making a bad, bad decision. Uh, and that is incumbent upon the quarterback. Of course, ultimately, he's the guy with the ball in his hands. But the uh, Adam GaSe can do a lot for Falk or Darnold uh, with more creative uh, play designs uh, to fit to that particular quarterback skill set. Clearly, Sam Darnold's got a different skill set than Luke Falk. Darnold can do stuff outside of the pocket. He can improvise better than Falk. But uh, no matter who's under center, I, I thought the, you know I thought that GaSe deserves credit to. You know, in admitting that yeah you know as a play caller he needs to do a much better job in that area and that's an important area it's an it's an area that fans typically don't talk about we don't talk about it you know on podcasts that often but uh getting that first read open via design is critical and uh you know as, as I said many times and as I said on this podcast before Adam Gase was hired because of his uh, his creativity and innovation on the offensive side of the football so I think that's where I would like to see you know, significant improvement after the bye week, and just to kind of circle back to what you said about Minshew, what I think is fascinating about what he is doing is that he is a rookie quarterback. Uh, I know that people who are looking for excuses for Adam Gase say that Luke Falk is a practice squad quarterback. I actually had somebody on social media refer to him as a rookie quarterback. He's not actually a rookie. He's had a full year of experience in Adam Gase's offense in Miami. He was actually on Miami's active roster before they put him on IR. Uh, with a, a wrist injury, uh, which you know, I, I don't know if he had surgery. I don't know if the, it was one of those stash deals where it was a redshirt year. The bottom line is that he was in that system and was exposed to that Adam Gay system for an entire year. So it's not as if he's coming out of college like Minshew. Minshew, these are his first you know, few months, or the first month actually in, in an NFL regular season. So he's doing all this. Uh, you know, as as a true rookie, whereas Luke Falk had a de facto redshirt year in this particular offense. So I I do think in theory, Falk should be ahead of Minshew in terms of understanding and grasping the the specific offense that he's in. So uh, that's just another reason I think that uh, it makes more sense to to start Falk instead of somebody off the street, uh, if need be, against Philadelphia.
1: Little connection there, too, between Luke Falk and Gardner Minshew. Both guys were sixth-round picks. Both guys went to Washington State. Both guys played for Mike Leach. So who knows? Maybe a little bit of Gardner Minshew magic in store for Luke Falk. But if it's going to happen, as you said, it's going to have to be with better play calling. And the offensive line is going to have to block better. They have been terrible so far. And so everybody has said that the Jets may want to consider making changes along the offensive line. And Adam Gase now seems to be in that camp because he talked about this yesterday when he spoke to the press. What did he have to say about the issue?
2: Well, he was was pretty blunt about it, which is when you're 0-3, things aren't working. People are looking for change, and, and perhaps change is needed now it 's a delicate balance with the offensive line because if guys are underperforming, clearly you, you want them out of there right you, you want a replacement, but because of the way an offensive line functions, you need to have chemistry uh, with that entire group, all five guys, uh, sometimes six if you you know if you 've got a t- blocking tight end in there they all have to to work in unison, so you don 't want to make wholesale changes this isn 't like the old Uh, dean smith north carolina uh teams uh where he would change five guys at a time uh you know five guys off the bench and he'd essentially have two starting units that's not what you can do in the nfl with an offensive line you can however make one uh perhaps two changes now if you look at uh, the production uh along that line in these first three games clearly ryan khalil is either shaking off the rust or you know Working out communication issues with the rest of the line. Uh, the change that would be the most seamless, if you will, would be Jonathan Harrison in at center because, again, he was a presumptive starter at center before Khalil was lured out of retirement uh, to start a training camp. So having Harrison jump back in there as the starter uh, when he played uh, along the offensive line last year as well, I don't think would be that big of an adjustment. I don't think there's that big of a learning curve. I actually think it would be relatively seamless and uh, things would go in the right direction if they believe that Khalil is done. If they believe that Khalil is still kind of working his way back and into shape and and getting a a better understanding with uh, the rest of his line mates and that he'll be fine sooner rather than later, they'll keep him in. But to me, that is the the change that seems to make the most sense. Uh, If you look at the Jets' depth at line it really lies in the interior tom compton is the guy who if you remember was actually the backup center to harrison this spring uh, before he moved back to guard when khalil came back Uh, he offers uh, some quality depth options uh at at the guard position now colexio assembly if you remember before that patriot game he did not practice on that friday he's got a knee issue that bothered him last year in oakland uh, I know that they're they're managing that issue right now, uh, but I also think it's something that you know keeps that, that that you should keep an eye on. It's not something that you should dismiss. It's not nothing. I guess is is the best way to put it. There is something there. So if they're not happy with his play, they could easily put Compton and at, at left guard and Brian Winters, as well as another guy. Uh, you know, if you wanted to replace him. Uh, again, your depth lies in the interior. We, you got Compton, Remember, you traded for Alex Lewis. Maybe you want to give him a look-see as well. He got some playing time in the preseason, uh, when there were some injuries, uh, uh you know, with Winters and, and Assembly, if you remember. So uh, those to me would be the, the changes that would make sense. There is a danger if you're going to make a change on the edge because your option is, uh, Chuma and Doga right and he was inactive and he's he's had his his struggles Uh, I think that's a fair way to put it if you're gonna have any struggles uh, I think it's probably better to to have some deficiency along the interior as opposed to on the edge and some people might disagree with that but I think if you have a weak left or right tackle you could be uh, you know in for a lot of trouble Uh, and that's why you know my you know, my instincts tell me that if they're going to make a change at all, it's going to be on the interior. The obvious one seems to be Harrison over Khalil. If they want to cut the cord on Khalil, it might be a little early to do that. But uh, Harrison's a guy they're familiar with. Harrison's also a guy that Adam Gase feels comfortable with, uh, and and Sam Darnold feels com- comfortable with as well. Uh, but again, if they're not happy with the guards, if Assembly's knee is really an issue, if that's really why he's not performing to his you know his standards. And I could see Tom Compton, Alex Lewis, uh, you know, being a a replacement there as well.
3: Play like a Jet. Play like
1: a Jet. Manish, beyond Sam Darnold, there are some other injuries that the Jets have been dealing with, so let's go through them one by one. And we'll start with the good news. It looks like Quentin Williams is going to play on Sunday, right? Yeah, I think,
2: uh, barring something quote-unquote weird, in the words of Adam Gase, uh Quentin Williams is going to play. Uh, you really want to see him out there. He's only played, what, I think 20 snaps in his career. He, he hurt his ankle in that season opener against Buffalo. They could sure use him. Uh... Obviously, they drafted him with the number three pick for no reason. So uh, that's a boost that that'll be helpful. It's interesting because Gates admitted that uh, Williams was actually chomping at the bit to play in that New England game. And uh, you know, to be honest, if there were not a buy coming up uh, after that game, I think that Williams might have actually play, played. But the idea of holding him out uh, and giving him that extra time to, to rest to, to ensure that he's going to be fully ready for this uh, you know, the remaining 13-game stretch uh, factored in uh, the Jets' decision to hold them out in
1: New England. That's the good news. Now let's get to the bad news. Everybody assumed that with the extra week off for the bye that C.J. Mosley would be ready to go against Philly, and now it appears that it's trending in the opposite direction. All signs seem to be pointing towards C.J. Mosley not playing on Sunday. What do you expect to happen here? Do you think Mosley is going to end up sitting out against the Eagles? Yeah, and I think,
2: you know, look, we're still five five or so days before kickoff, but I, I don't think he's going to play. I, I think a groin injury is very much like a hamstring injury. Uh, they are unpredictable, and I know there was a lot of hope uh, inside the building and uh, among the fan base, of course, that that bye week would be the cure-all and he'd be ready to roll for the, the, you know, the rem- remainder of the season starting in Philly. But uh, what I thought was interesting is that Mosley admitted that the groin strain he has is in the upper part of his groin, and because of that, the the, the timetable for recovery is a little bit slower than it, at, if it were a strain a little bit lower. Uh, and again, I'm not a medical doctor, but uh, he he pointed that specific element out, and, and that to me means that the doctors made it clear to him that uh, the reason for the relatively slow. The uh, recovery time is because of the placement of the strain, and because it's, it's because it's higher up, it makes it more difficult for him to to explode, change the direction. He hasn't even tried that yet. He's jogging and running straight ahead. Uh, that's not going to get him anywhere on Sundays. He needs to you know, to, to backpedal. He needs to move side to side, lateral movement, explosion, uh, things like that. Obviously, are critical at his position. So the fact that he hasn't even tried change a direction. Five or six days before the game is troubling to say the least. Now, he's such a competitor. This is a guy who had has missed, you know, had missed, I should say, three games uh, in his five year career, uh, you know, entering this season. And this could be the third game he misses out of four with the Jets. So it's frustrating. It's annoying. He, you know, he's a durable player dating back to college as well. He missed some time with a dislocated elbow, I believe, as a maybe a red shirt. Uh, redshirt sophomore, redshirt freshman, or, or maybe it was the second year at Alabama. But by and large, he, you know, he had been a durable player uh, you know, for the last really seven, eight years. So you know, it's annoying for him. He is a team leader. He's got a great attitude. He's got a great mindset. He's still one of the most diligent guys in the meeting rooms. He's trying to be as much of a leader as he can from the sidelines during the games, helping out the linebackers, specifically Neville Hewitt, on things he might see. One of those guys, uh, you know, come off the field on change of possession in the film room. He's obviously an invaluable asset. Uh, you know, he's just a, you know, he's just a terrific player and a terrific guy in that locker room for this team. You'd want him out there. So because he, his value is, is so critical. And I know that we've talked about it. I'm sure you've talked about it as well. But, uh, clearly missing Sam Darnold is big, but just not having cj mosley on the field to correct the mistakes get the jets out of bad situations before the snap it is is so important and uh you know i know that neville hewitt's doing everything he can to, you know to, to to make the proper check to, to be in the proper position but you don't just uh you know snap your fingers and replace uh, a perennial Pro uh inside linebacker who's your defensive caller so you know that that's a you know a significant hit for greg williams uh but it's the NFL, right? I mean, guys get hurt all the time. Important guys get hurt all the time. You know, I saw a pretty interesting stat over the weekend that the Patriots have put ten players on IR since the start of training camp. That's the same amount of players that they had on IR all of last year. And their offensive line has been ravaged by injury. So, you know, my, my my you know my position, whether we're talking about the Jets or any other team, is that winners adapt. You know, they make they make the proper adjustments? You know, losers will make excuses. Excuses are always around the corner. They're readily available if you want to grab one of them. Uh, but if you want to, you know, be a winner in the NFL, you need to adapt to changes. And a lot of the times, changes in this league mean
1: injuries. Doesn't sound like we're going to see Jordan Jenkins on Sunday either, right? Look, he's
2: not going to play unless there's some kind of, you know, miracle. He's got he's got a cast injury those things need time to heal just like a groin and a hamstring do uh you know it, it's not like a a knee sprain or an ankle sprain it's you know uh calf is uh is pivotal for you know explosiveness obviously and uh, i don't think he's going to play we'll see if he even plays against dallas i'm skeptical about that but uh i, I wouldn't anticipate that he would be out there against the eagles
1: the statuses of both Demarius Thomas and Josh Bellamy still up in the air for Sunday. And let's be honest, beyond Jamison Crowder and Robbie Anderson, the Jets don't really have anything. So if those two guys can't go, is it possible that we see some Ty Montgomery at wide receiver on Sunday against the Eagles?
2: I sure hope so, but seeing is believing. You know, I thought that they should have done that already. And this guy's a former wide receiver in the NFL. Why not use him more? Uh, it's interesting because if you look at the snap distribution uh, between Ty Montgomery and Le'Veon Bell. Le'Veon Bell's actually on pace, uh, you know, more specifically than snap, touch touch distribution. Le'Veon Bell's on pace for a career high in touches. If you remember in his last year in Pittsburgh, he had over 400 touches. I think he's on a almost 460-touch pace right now. That obviously is not sustainable And so some of that workload needs to be taken off his plate. I know that it's so tempting to give it to Le'Veon Bell via the pass game or or turning around and handing it to him as often as possible, given some of these issues on on offense. But you've got to be smarter about it. And this bye week uh, was a self-evaluation time for Adam Gase. I would hope that Le'Veon Bell would not be run into the ground before Halloween, and that means that Ty Montgomery has to be integrated into this offense. And as you said, because of – uh, the issues uh, at wide receiver, it makes absolute sense to use Montgomery in that way, to use him as a pass catcher, just get him on the field. The fact that he has not been on the field, uh, you know, that much is puzzling to me. And I think that was a critical mistake that the coaching staff made in, you know, in the pre buy por- portion of the season. And I think that's something that needs to be rectified. Uh, if Adam Gase is indeed going to be making uh, smarter decisions from a play caller's perspective, I think. You know, part of this, part of what he needs to uh, do is incorporate Ty Montgomery. And I'm not saying give him you know 10 touches a game, but get him on the field at least. You know, have him run some routes. Give him uh, give the quarterback, whether it's Darnold or Falk, another option out there.
1: What about using Bilal Powell a little bit? If they're going to use Ty Montgomery at wide receiver because they're thin there and they don't want to run Le'Veon Bill into the ground, why not give some touches to Powell? We know he can carry the ball. We know that he can catch it out of the backfield. just seems to me that with the offense struggling and with them trying to mix and match a little bit, maybe throw Bilal Powell in there, give him a couple of touches, and see what happens. I agree with
2: you, and I, I think he should be active. I don't know if he'll be active, but uh, that's what I would do. Now, he's been active, inactive for all but one game, I believe, this year. So, inactive twice, active for one game. Uh, I, I think you should have all three of those guys up, Montgomery, Bell, and, and Bilal, and uh, and see if that works because clearly, you know, the offense has been sputtering to this point, and there's a lot of different reasons for that. But uh, I agree with you. Get get out. Allow pal involved more and again I'm not talking about 10 touches you know just get him in the game get him in the game uh, spell spell uh, Le'Veon Bell for a series or two uh, because again the worst thing in the world would be if you run him uh, if you run Bell into the ground uh, before you even get to the midpoint of the season because if he gets banged up <laughs> then then there's there's very little hope that this offense can can kind of reverse course here.
1: Manish, keeping in mind everything that we've said throughout the course of this podcast so far, how do you see this game against the Eagles playing out on Sunday? Well,
2: the bad news is that the Jets are 14 point underdogs. <laughs> the good news is that the Eagle defense is vulnerable. Uh, you know, we talk about the deficiencies that the Jets have on the back end, specifically at cornerback. The Eagles uh, are, if not in the same shape, worse off. At the cornerback position, they've got a litany of injuries. Ronald Darby, Avante Maddox, is now week to week after hurting his neck in that Thursday night game against Green Bay. Sidney Jones didn't finish that game with a hamstring issue. I don't know what his availability is going to be either. Uh, It's a vulnerable secondary. You can pass on this team. So uh, I would think that Adam Gates would try to exploit that. Uh, There isn't that much of a pass rush, uh, which is unusual for Philadelphia. They've only got three sacks. I think that's a league low. Uh, not that the Jets are you know, getting to the quarterback either. They only have five. Uh, you know, I know this is a random stat, but I, I thought it jumped out to me. Uh, Shaquille Barrett, you know, a guy who hadn't really done much in the league. He's with Tampa now and Todd Bowles' his defense. He has nine sacks this year, more than the Eagles and the Jets combined, which is kind of mind blowing when you think about Shaquille Barrett. You know, we're not talking about Vaughn Miller or JJ Watt here. We're talking about a, you know, almost a, a random guy. Was on fire, and he's got more sacks than the, the two teams that I'm going to be watching on Sunday. So uh, I, I think there's opportunities for for the Jet offense, uh, especially if Sam Darnold is, is at quarterback. And if Darnold isn't at 100% full strength, I still think that uh, there are enough weaknesses on that Eagle defense that perhaps Gase and Darnold could take advantage of. But uh, but other than that. You know it's going to be tough sledding. I know the Jets do a reasonably decent job against the run. The Eagles like to shuffle their their backs in and out. Jordan Howard had a really nice game against Green Bay, but they they really believe that Miles Sanders will ultimately be their you know their best running back. But those two guys have done a nice job in combination. Uh, Zach Ertz, one of the best players in the league. Uh, I think that Jamal Adams should be able to to do an effective job against him. Uh, but I want to know how they're going to cover the receivers, even though the Jets are back, the Eagles are banged up in receiver. Uh, you know, they still have, you know, quality, decent options you know, in that area. It could complicate matters if Deshaun Jackson comes back. I don't know if he's going to be available, but if he is going to be available, he's going to be a problem. So, uh, you know, I just think it's, it's a lot to ask for this Jet team, even though they've had, uh, you know, the bye week to prepare as well. So, you know, two weeks to prepare for this game. The Eagles have had a mini bye in some respects because they played on Thursday night. Uh, I I don't think the the Jets are going to win this game. Uh, The bigger question for me, to be honest with you is, will they be competitive? Because they haven't been competitive uh, by and large since the, since that fourth quarter against Buffalo. Uh, I want to see them score. (laughs) You know, I know it's a simple thing to say, but two scoring drives out of 32 this year. I don't care who the quarterback is. I'm sick of the quarterback excuse. Two scoring drives out of 32 is unacceptable. So, uh, you yeah, know, you'd like to see, you know, some improvement uh, on offense. Uh, but in order for them to win this game, they're, they're going to have to play big on special teams. They're going to have to score probably once or twice on special teams. Greg Williams is going to have to, you know, dial up a lot of exotic and unorthodox blitzes to confuse Carson Wentz. Uh, that Eagle. Uh, that Eagle uh, offensive line is vulnerable also. And I mentioned the defense of that team, but that Eagle offensive line has has its fair share of struggles. Now they did dominate a smaller undersized green Bay front and ran all over the field in their win on Thursday night. I don't think that'll be the case against the jets. I don't think you can do that against this jet front. So uh, I think, uh, you know, I think there's going to be a lot of passing. I, I, I said a few days ago that I wouldn't be surprised if, uh, if the over-under on pass attempts in this game was like 80 or 85, or maybe, you know, it might be even higher than that, because I think you'll see both teams try to throw it, and throw it a lot against some, you know, some weak
1: cornerbacks. All I'm asking for at this point is a reasonably entertaining game that is somewhat competitive. I don't think that's too much to ask. The same way that I don't think it's too much for you to ask that the cable guys show up within a reasonable window I hate when they tell you that the cable guy is going to show up sometime between Monday at 6 a.m. and Friday at 8 p.m. It's ridiculous. How am I supposed to plan my life when I have to spend an entire week sitting around waiting for the cable guy? But the good news, Manish, is that while you wait, you've got plenty of time to write. So what should we expect to see from you over the next couple of days in the daily news?
2: Well, I'm on Sam Darnold Watch, like everybody else who follows the Jets. You know, How healthy is he? What's he doing? Uh and uh, you know how effective will he actually be if he gets the green light? Uh, let's be honest. I know Jet fans want to win uh, on Sunday. But uh, ideally, if they saw Sam Darnold come back, play well, be healthy, uh, I think uh, they would be happy. Not as happy as winning a football game, of course, but uh, everything hinges on Darnold uh, moving forward. And if he's right physically and plays reasonably well in his first game back, uh, you know that would be a good sign. Uh, moving forward for the rest of the
1: season. I can't speak for all Jets fans, but I can certainly say, speaking for myself, that that would definitely make me happy. So fingers crossed that if he does play against the Philadelphia Eagles on Sunday, that is what we see from Sam Darnold. Go ahead and follow Manish on Twitter, read his work in the Daily News, and for the latest and greatest in New York Jets podcasts, you know where to go. That's Turn on the Jets Digital and turn turnonthejets.com.